Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College. Its annual Summer Institute for Educators takes place June 25th through 27th. Registration is now open at landmark.edu slash LCSI. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, MindShift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Social Justice Humanitas Academy is a teacher-powered school in Los Angeles. Don't wait until the last second. Do not procrastinate. It's a district pilot started and run by teachers who are tired of being told what to do and how to do it by people who are not in the classroom. So seven years ago, they designed a school based on what they knew was good for kids. AP courses available are English language, English literature, Spanish language, Spanish literature, calculus. And when teachers make the decisions about what's in their contract, how to spend the budget, and who to hire, they put students first. Any students who are approved to skip a math level and have not yet talked to their counselor, please do so today. And it's working. All right, folks, have a wonderful rest of the day. Many blessings and much love. Welcome back to the MindShift Podcast. I'm Katrina Schwartz. Today, we're talking about what it really takes to help kids succeed in school when everything's stacked against them. It involves stuff you might expect. High expectations, great teaching, a strong school culture. But teachers here say the secret ingredient is love. So I wanted to know, what does love look like in the classroom? This school serves mostly low-income, mostly Latino students. We're in an ethnic studies class. The students are chanting in a combination of languages, including Mayan, Spanish, and English, a reflection of their identities. Around the country, kids like these, low-income kids of color, graduate and go to college at much lower rates than their more affluent peers. But at this school, the kids that are usually on the losing side of the achievement gap, they're doing really well. Talk to almost any teacher and they'll say they love their students. Teaching is a really hard job. People wouldn't do it if they didn't care about the kids. But here, it's part of the school's mission. People always blow that off. Mm. They always blow off vision and mission. It's like, oh, you just write it up, put it on the wall, and you never use it. So I just ask them, what are you trying to achieve then? If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it. What the hell are you aiming at? My name is Jose Luis Navarro IV. I'm the principal of the Social Justice Humanitas Academy. 
Jose Navarro helped write the school's mission statement, and he's going to read it to you. Our mission at the Social Justice Humanitas Academy is to achieve social justice through the development of the complete individual. And in doing so, we will increase our students' social capital and their humanity while we create a school worthy of our own children. To stay true to the mission, teachers agree to do more than what's in the union contract. They stay at school later to hold office hours. They keep an open-door policy. They integrate special needs students and English language learners into all regular classes. They even go on college field trips. These are our values. This is what we all share. These are things we were doing as teachers. We just wrote them down. Principal Navarro's always known students deserve this from teachers. They need the extra support and care. Many of them start high school behind grade level. Some of them have rough home lives and have lived through tragedy. Navarro can relate. He grew up poor with a single mom. He dabbled in gang life. He gets it. And it was a teacher that turned me around. Mr. McCarg, he just passed away. He was my middle school teacher. I came to school high. I was running with these gang, this one particular gang. I came to school high. And he saw me and he like stood between me and my, my decisions. And I, nobody ever did that before. And then he said, you're better than this, Jose. And nobody ever said I was better than anything. It was a teacher. And I really thought at that moment, I remember I was in ninth grade, teachers are powerful because I'm listening to them. And if he can make someone like me listen to them, and then I realized how many of my teachers weren't using their power. We talked about most of the times in our lives when we come at a crossroads where we're not putting first things to work, we put third or fourth things first. He and the founding teachers have designed a school with the knowledge that helping kids navigate life's challenges will be just as important as the math and English they learn here. The, uh, the first habit, be proactive. In addition to being the principal, Navarro teaches a class for seniors that's focused on developing character and skills to be successful in college. Um, I feel okay. I'm just trying to pick up my grades. Yeah, I'm in. Seniors are spread out around the room, four or five to a table. They listen intently to one another as each person takes a turn sharing. They say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. When they're done sharing. And I'm in. <laughs> committing to their classmates that no matter how they're feeling, they'll do their best to be present. I felt like I was going to college blind, but now I got to talk to a few, few people that are going to Berkeley, and I feel like I can see where I'm going. It wasn't, it's not blind anymore. I'm in. There's a lot of tension around heading off to college. Several students said their parents were fighting a lot, and it felt like their fault. It's going to get a little weird with your family. It happens every year. It seems to be a little tougher with, uh, with the young women. Navarro stops to acknowledge some of what students are sharing. Many of these kids will be the first in their families to go to college, and it's bringing up unknowns for their parents. Be respectful, be loving, but your job is to make you happy. Be the best version of yourself. That's the best gift you can give them. He knows parents are afraid to send their kids off to something they don't know. Young men seem to get a little challenged. You know, you think you're better than me type of thing. Uh, why aren't you going to work? I understand why you're not going to work. I work to support your family. You're going to college to have fun. He tries to steady them, offering a different way to see what's going on. And they may be like, I don't know why you're leaving, all that stuff. And I guarantee you they're bragging. They're going to be bragging like crazy. It's going to be hard because they love you. See that. Like, see the love. Don't hear the words necessarily. You guys get me? Yeah. Cool. These interactions are part of every class, whether it's English, physics, or math. But the school also invests in mental health. 
Navarro has three counselors for a school that's just over 500 kids. That's a huge investment. At most California public schools of this size, they'd be lucky to have one counselor. What has made us successful, and I think a lot of people are starting to, to listen, is the huggy-touchy stuff, the stuff that freaks people out. Adults making themselves vulnerable, uh, building real relationships. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey. It's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You've got special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. To sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Welcome back to the MindShift Podcast. I'm Katrina Schwartz. What made this school different from other schools for me was uh, the support that the teachers give me. Because, I mean, I've always been a star student. This is Marilyn Chavez. She's a senior. But, I mean, just because I'm a star student doesn't mean I'm doing well at home. And in 10th grade, my teacher saw that and he adopted me. He didn't legally adopt her. Adoption at this school is when a teacher intentionally checks in a little more, brings that student a little closer. He's like a dad to me now. And in any other school, I don't feel like I would have gotten that support. Marilyn is heading to UC Merced to study mechanical engineering this year. She's smart and confident, so I wondered if she would have done well no matter where she went to school. She didn't think so. The stuff at home made me feel like a burden, and I just wanted to give up in school. And if I wasn't for Mr. Vega, my, my teacher, my mentor, um, I felt like I wouldn't have done as good as I've done up to this point. While Marilyn and I chatted, her friend Josephine Montesinos sat quietly nearby. Josephine didn't want to be interviewed at first. But as she listened to Marilyn, she jumped in. I can relate a lot to what she has to say. I have problems at home as well. So, like, most of my peers feel more like family. I actually prefer to be here than home. She said she often gets to school at 7 in the morning and stays until 8 in the evening. She likes talking to her teachers and socializing. She says that's a new experience for her. Middle school wasn't like that at all. There, she felt isolated, like everyone was judging her, being fake. She worried high school would be just as bad. So I tried it out, and then I'm like, oh, this principal is different. Like, he's really good. He motivates me. And he's like, these people, we're going to make sure that you feel like you belong. And if you don't feel like you belong, then you're going to stay longer so you can understand that you are worthy. That's something Principal Navarro and the teachers here have built into the school. I know a lot of people care about me, and I know they're not faking about it because they call me, they text me. We have, like, group chats. The biggest group chat I was in was like 20 people, wow. and it was just for school. 
This is actually more important than it sounds because not every student can be adopted by a teacher. Navarro realized that asking teachers to keep all the students afloat is too much, maybe even impossible. So he enlisted the kids themselves to help as mentors. When they're intentionally looking out for each other, he says the safety net has a tighter weave and fewer people fall through the gaps. That's love in action. Good grades doesn't mean that you're a good person. This is Rafael Velasquez, a senior and a mentor. Is this like an elective or like how do you become a mentor? They were looking at people who had experiences, who, who went through situations like that they can learn on how to mentor other people or people that are going in similar situations. They can give them what happened and how they handled it. Rafael says as a mentor, he's learning to make himself vulnerable to listen and to feel responsible for his peers. By being vulnerable, that's how you build your own relationships. And that's how a person listens more than just like talking and being like a teacher. You don't want to come at, at them like if you're a teacher or a person of authority. They're responsible for one another. Like, what a great thing to learn at such a young age, compassion, empathy. One of the most compassionate and empathetic people I meet at this school is Samantha Siegler. She teaches English. I first see her outside her classroom talking quietly with a crying student. Class has already started, and when I head into the classroom, I'm surprised by what I find with no teacher in the room. So you guys think it will stay the same? Yeah, well, I think it would be either the same or like a higher percentage of people wanting to keep them out. I see students arrayed in groups intently discussing a reading. They've started class on their own. A few minutes later, Siegler's back in the room. Tiffany, <laughs> do you think that the data would look similar or different now in 2018? If the same exact questions were After asked, class, I asked Siegler how she balances the emotional lives of students with teaching content. If a student is not participating or if a student is kind of ducking out on curriculum, it's about asking them, what's going on? Are you okay? Because if they're not participating, probably they're not okay. Speaking of. Did you find it, baby? No, but it's at home. Okay. I have it. You're sure? Yes. Okay. Positive. I remember putting it in my pocket. Okay. Siegler's talking so about the student's final essay, an essay she was almost done writing. This is legitimately a panic situation. This girl is right on the border of passing, and Siegler is doing everything she can to get her over the finish line. When you arrived, I was outside talking with her, and she has stuff going on at home. And I could just get mad and say, why aren't you participating? Why is your head down? Or I can check in and say, you don't seem okay. Let's talk. Siegler says when she treats her students this way, as people first, students second, it makes it easier to hold them to high standards, even when they need extra support. Students who have a relationship with you, they'll push themselves. Did you get uploaded, baby? Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Essays are due. We're interrupted multiple times throughout our interview, and Siegler always stops to answer her students' questions. Do you need something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a question. Uh, mm-hmm. I need a question on the rebuttal. Oh, the rebuttal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Which essay are you doing? I can tell she loves her work, but when we start talking about what it takes to care about students this way. Sorry. Is that helpful for a podcast? <laughs> she breaks down. So. 
for the last couple of years, I've really been trying to find balance. And I personally don't feel able to do that. Siegler is leaving, hoping to find a teaching position that doesn't demand quite so much. Which some people might say, that means the school isn't working. And I wildly disagree. I think it's okay that I haven't found balance. I think that the work that's being done here is so important that it's okay if it takes so much out of some of us. And as with all activism, sometimes new blood needs to cycle in. Activism. She sees supporting young people who need her as activism. She's helping them learn to be resilient, to overcome challenging circumstances, to be their best selves so that they can go out and use their voices to change the world. But it's taking a toll on her. She can't stop caring about them at the end of the school day. It is incredibly consuming to love so many humans all at the same time. And it's not just her. The whole staff wrestles with questions about how to make this work sustainable for teachers. We would like for these kids not to have these issues. We would love for our poverty not to exist. Navarro, like Siegler, sees the mission as more important than the individuals who carry out the work. But he's not fooling himself about what it takes to help his students succeed. The stuff we've worked very hard to create here, the systems, are what you need to educate a kid. We're not doing it because we're, we're masochists. We're doing it because it's what kids need. Strong relationships, high expectations paired with lots of support, mentoring, adoptions. He's hoping the systems he's spent the last seven years building into the school's DNA will be strong enough to weather the changes that are coming. I'm doing the best I can with what I got where I'm at, but my teachers know that, they get, that they're getting my best. Will this happen much longer? I don't think so. Navarro is tired, too. I think uh, somebody else needs to step into this for a bit. I don't know if they can. I think the school will look very differently. Over the summer, he accepted a job at the district level, using what he learned here to help other schools improve. They feel like I have something to offer the larger narrative. Can this be replicated? Maybe that's the wrong question. Every school is different because people in them are different. They're constantly evolving, and that's okay. When people like Navarro and Siegler leave, they carry what they've learned about what works with them and leave behind people who believe in the systems they've created. This is a challenging job. Like, it's fun in many ways, and it's also um, almost not doable. Like, it's almost too much for a human being to do. This is Jeff Austin, one of the school's founding teachers. He's the new principal. I caught up with him by phone in the middle of a recent school day. There's only three of us from the original team. And so it really is like this is us proving that, you know, this vision that we came up with is, is what's driving it. Austin was worried about stepping into Navarro's shoes, afraid that he'd always be compared to Navarro. But he's been surprised that students, teachers, and parents welcome his style. I think we had this really good opportunity to prove to people that the thing that we've been doing for seven years was about teachers and students working together and not about uh, a single leader with a single vision and that it is a team that does, that makes this happen. He says the experiment of a teacher-led school is working. That's something other people can replicate. 
you can't build another Humanitas, but you can build another school where teachers lead their schools towards supporting their students. And if they do, it could change education for the better, which was the goal of teachers at Social Justice Humanitas Academy all along. Thank you for listening to the MindShift podcast. MindShift is produced by Ki Sung and me, Katrina Schwartz. Our editor is Jacob Conrad. Seth Samuel is our audio specialist. Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. And Ethan Lindsay is our executive editor of news. This episode could not have happened without the help of Julie Kane, our senior editor for podcasts. Thank you so much. Big thanks also to Julia McAvoy and Paul Lancour. Jose Luis Navarro, Jeff Austin, Samantha Siegler, Asim Kelly, Roberta Vega, and all the students and staff at Social Justice Humanitas Academy. And if you want to hear more stories about teaching and learning, subscribe to this podcast. And while you're on your favorite podcast app, help us out by leaving us a comment or a quick rating. It only takes a minute and it goes a long way to help other people find our show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.